for Monday the 2nd of May. This is Freely Geek FM. Welcome, 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 welcome to episode 17 of Free the Geek FM. In this episode, I have the pleasure of presenting to you my fireside chat with Mr. Chris Cornut, who you may know as Enigma on Twitter. You may also know him as the founder and maintainer of phpdeveloper.org, and you also may know him as the man behind websec.io, or two awesome books on security, those being The Usual Suspects and Core Concepts. What an introduction. So naturally, given the last three points I mentioned, we're going to be talking about security. I'll be honest, the reason, at least for me personally, that I wanted to have him on the show is because whilst I'm really hard into testing at the moment and getting better at that, getting better at patterns, I know that security is something that I need to do better at. I'm not saying I do bad at it. Hey, who's going to say they do bad at anything, really? But I know it's something that I can give more attention to, give more focus to, and really improve that. So I'm intending to, just as soon as I've gotten better, or at least kind of gotten to a a certain level that I really want to get to, with respect to testing and design and development and design patterns. So I thought, as that's kind of rapidly approaching, and perhaps security is something that is really important to you as well, I'd get him on now. You know, we sort of, why wait? You know, was it that, was that all line? Don't wait for your, for your ship to come in, swim out to it. Okay, a little bit cheesy, a little bit corny, so whatever. So anyway, getting back to seriousness. I have a really good fireside chat with Chris about security. He has a lot of great information to share. As well as that, once again, we're talking a bit about conferences because he is the, I believe he's the founder and the longtime organizer of Lone Star PHP over in Texas. Now, I'm, you might be feeling that I'm kind of beating the drum for conferences Perhaps I am. But the reason I am is that I'm really convinced that they're a fantastic way to grow your knowledge quickly. They are a fantastic opportunity to network. They're a fantastic opportunity to be a part of the community. Sorry, to be a part of the community, if I speak clearly there. In a really quick, shorter time, you know, you can get involved. You can get to know people. They can get to know you. You can take on information. You can take up the opportunity to be a speaker and share what you know. So there's something that I'll probably keep dovetailing into reasonably frequently because I I just really am convinced that they have so much inherent value and I just want to keep getting that out there. Sorry if you're an avid conference goer and you already know this. Anyway, the chat with Chris does go on at some length so I'm just going to leave my bit here. I'll hand over to the chat with Chris and I and I'll see you afterwards. So now that Lone Star has just finished... Mm-hmm. What was it like? What was what was this year like? What was the highlight um, of this year's conference? Um, you know, I think you know we've been doing this for six years now. This was our sixth edition. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff we've kind of figured out the groove. You know, we figured out the flow of everything. Um, so really, it's it's kind of the little things. Um, you know, seeing the people in the hallways. You know, talking to them. Uh, you know, seeing how much they enjoy the the conference. All that. That's that's always really good. Um, you know, and we had the, and during the after parties, we had different things going on last year. Um, we always played the, the beanbag game cornhole. Um, so that's always fun. We were able to get out the first night at least and play it. It wasn't raining. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, everybody just seems to have a good time and, you know, very relaxed atmosphere. And, and so it's, you know, I think it, at least for me personally, it's, it's just really good to see everybody enjoying themselves and not, you know, not looking at things and having, you know, having a bad time about it or not wanting to do it, you know, all that kind of stuff. It just, um, you know, it's just rewarding, I guess. Okay. Um, being that it's based in Texas, is there a particular kind of crowd that comes along or a certain kind of atmosphere? Or so what makes it really unique and, or say, as opposed to something like Sunshine PHP? Well, you know, I think, you know, just being from Texas and being from a different area of the country, we, you know, we kind of approach things a little bit differently. Um, you know, like I said, we're, we're pretty laid back, um, you know, not that other conferences aren't, but, um, you know, our, our after parties are basically here, here's all this stuff, do what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we provide the food, we provide the drinks and, you know, whatever else happens, it's, you know, 
it works out for the attendees and um, and you know we get a lot of local people uh, you know because sunshine I mean obviously is is relatively far away for some people you know kind of in our general area mm. um, you know and so it's nice to have that group of more local to Texas kind of thing um, you know come in. Uh, that being said, I mean, we had people from overseas come over, um, you know, people from Canada, uh, from all around the country, just, just everywhere it seemed like all came down and, uh, and it was good. It was a nice mix of people, um, you know, mostly local, obviously, but, uh, but there were definitely people from other, other parts of the world, uh, that came along. So it's always good. With my, uh, crazy friend, Gary Hawken there. Yes, he was. The JetBrains was. was one of our great sponsors this year, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, he was there. He had a had a little booth going, um, you know, and was just hanging around. Um, they were nice enough to provide us with some PHP Storm licenses for giveaways at the end, so mm-hmm. that was a nice uh, nice surprise to have for that. Um, but yeah, yeah, he, he seemed to be doing all right. Uh, he and Bastian Hoffman and um, Oh, who was the third one? Um, oh, I can't remember who the third European was, but mm-hmm. they uh, we were joking they were consistently late for several things. So, <laughs> you know, it was like, well, you know, I can understand. They're, they're a little, you know, time jet lagged kind of thing. So, you know, it makes sense. But we had to give them a hard time about it, of course. Of course. I mean, it could be African <laughs> time. That's true. Um, and there was a question there and I was, ah, that's it, that's it. And I don't know if this is perhaps getting a bit um, uh, touchy. I don't know. But there was... Uh, I was talking to Chris Hutyus last week. And he was he was not vitriolic. Perhaps he was. About... There was, there was some uh, things going on with Lambda Conf and, and various people speaking and so forth. Um, okay. Where, uh, I'm not sure if uh, you were up on that news. No, I haven't seen that one actually. Hey. Of course, you know, being an organizer out of the loop for the past couple of days, it's entirely possible I just missed it. Fair point. Um, he said, like, I don't know who the person was, and he didn't get into specifics, and he intentionally or otherwise vague. Um, but he said that there was a a person who'd been accepted to speak at LambdaConf, who was openly known for um, unsavory views, and mm. but the but the organizers of the conference said that it was like it was a, a blind submission or a, a blind um, CFP so that mm-hmm. they only judged it by the quality of the talk and so he's sort of shot back saying well great but you'll eventually know who it is you know how can you sort of accept it when you know somebody is so I'm not sure exactly why I think it was sort of like like extremely racist and various other things mm-hmm. um, and I'm not sure if I'm sort of getting a bit in to ground that you don't want to cover, but with that and the that the the very heated discussion on was it like the PHP mailing list about um, codes of conduct and so forth. Mm-hmm. How does how does Lone Star go with codes of conduct and and those kinds of issues? I guess it's there's no issues at all, or have there been sort of issues in the past where people have perhaps I don't know done things that you, that they shouldn't have. Um, so that was a really long-winded question. I'll have to shorten yeah, that down. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, we've been pretty fortunate. Um, you know, we we've had a few minor things that have come up over the years. Um, you know, we've had a code, code of conduct for a couple of years now. Um, kind of when you know when the whole surgence of that came up in the PHP community, and you know, it seems like most conferences have that kind of thing now. Um, you know, and, and since we've added that, it's there's been a couple of small things, but you know, really, we haven't had too big of a problem. Um, you know, as, as far as like speaker selection and everything, you know, if if that kind of same situation had come up, um, you know, we we don't do a blind uh, selection per call for papers, um, but uh, if that kind of situation had come up, you know, I think we as organizers um, have a responsibility to. Not only our attendees, but you know other speakers and you know pretty much anybody else at the conference um, to you know provide a good, safe environment. Um, and you know this is not necessarily let's make everybody comfortable kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know we we have a responsibility to put together a good conference 
and for people to enjoy the time that they're there. And, you know, if something like that comes up and there's somebody there, especially if they're a speaker and they're there for the entire event, you know, it's sometimes it's just not worth it. Um, and sometimes you just have to say, you know, I'm sorry, you know, even if the talk was selected when you find out who it was, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it's, you know, as a, like I said, as an organizer, you're responsible for, you know, what happens. That's just a, that's just it, plain and simple. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, if, if you're worried at all, then it's just not worth it, honestly. Fair enough. Um, for, for, for next year, um, if there was, say, a, another European or a person who was living in Europe and wanted to apply to the, to the CFP, are there mm-hmm. any particular topics that you're looking for? Or is it sort of it's, it's too far away yet to, to really get into that? Um, you know, I think with technology changing so quickly, it's really hard to say. Um, you know, a lot of the same kind of topics keep coming up, uh, you know, in, in conferences, both, you know, in the U.S. and in Europe. Um, you know, and we, we kind of try to balance things out a little bit. You know, sometimes we'll come up with something that's, you know, or select something that's a little bit more cutting edge, um, you know, with, with all the Docker talk that's been happening lately. You know, we wanted to be sure and have something about that in there. Uh, we ended up with a tutorial. And, um, you know, so it's not really specific topics that we're looking for. Um, you know, it's that weird balance of, you know, finding the right speaker, finding the right topics, and being able to, unfortunately, fit within a budget. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, we're fortunate enough to where uh, we're able to bring in a couple of international speakers, um, obviously not, not nearly as many as, uh, as we'd like because there's just some topics that we really, really liked, but, you know, it was one topic from one speaker and we just couldn't, you know, we couldn't work that into the budget, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's not really any specific topics I could think of offhand. We try to kind of, uh, balance it out a little bit, have a little JavaScript stuff in there, um, you know, sys- uh, you know, DevOps systems kind of stuff, mm-hmm. um, along with, you know, just straight up PHP talks um, too, obviously. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Um, I've been sort of pondering after, cause we got chatting at what PHP world, I think. Mm-hmm. And I was sort of thinking ever since then, like some family stuff and, and various other things have come along, but I was thinking about sort of getting into it again. And I think between sunshine, PHP, true North and lone star, I think I'd heard heard about all of them and thought, okay, if I if I'm going to go back to one of them, I have to. Sorry, if I have, if I'm going to go back to the states, I have to go to one of them. Mm-hmm. But then, um, was it Chris said that he and Peter aren't doing True North anymore after next year? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm thinking, okay, maybe I'll sort of have to try and you know, if I'm going to go to the to the states, try and sort of see if I can get to both. But I don't know. I, it's it's on my mind a lot, but we'll we'll yeah. see if it eventuates. <laughs> Well, nothing wrong with trying. Worst, worst that can happen is the organizer says no. That's true, and I think if I made it to Texas, then it'd be Texas is about what in, in the middle of the southern United States, mm-hmm. roughly. So then yep. I, could, I could say I've been to the east coast, the west coast, and kind of in the middle, and I'm kind of gradually ticking states off. <laughs> well, Texas would be a big one to to check off there. That's true. You know, something something of a decent size. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And one other one other question, sort of before I leave that topic, when I was chatting to Adam Culp, he made the statement that he said the majority work of a conference can be done in four months. True or false? <laughs> um, maybe if you have um, enough time to completely dedicate to it, yes. Uh-huh. Uh, I know, you know, with with kind of ZenCon stuff and and some of his other stuff, he. He probably has a little bit more time to dedicate um, than you know some of us other folks. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, mm-hmm. I mean that's you know it's just the way it works. Some of us have kids, and you know we have soccer games to go to on the weekends and all that. And mm-hmm. um, you know you, you have to have your priorities right. I mean, obviously, family and stuff comes first. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know that being said, I think um, you know a lot of the stuff it can be kind of done in a short amount of time, relatively. Um, but, um, you know, I, I handle some of the, the sponsor stuff for Lone Star and because of the way that companies budgets work and all that, you have to start that, you know, six to seven months out at least 
to try to get on their, you know, on their radar to, to be able to sponsor a conference in April. Um, you know, we, we had, unfortunately, we had a couple of uh, companies this year that were like, you know, we've already set our budget and we've already picked the, the conferences we want to go to. And it was like, you know, I, I understand, you know, it just didn't work out this time, but mm-hmm. we'll try them next time, see how it goes. But uh, I think, you know, the kind of the, not the last minute kind of stuff, but some of the things like you know printing uh, printing badges or printing the programs or you know last minute stuff at the venue, um, a lot of that stuff is, can be kind of crammed into that last you know three or four months, um, you know. But but there's still just stuff that you know has to be done. Honestly, mostly throughout the year to mm-hmm. keep it going. Okay. Um, keep people interested. I was I was curious because it, it like I've hand on heart i've never been involved in one so i'm completely from the outside looking in mm-hmm. but when i heard the number I, I thought it seemed quite remarkably small especially when as i mentioned adam uh, i was chatting to james titcomb who's one of the i think he's the lead organi- organizer on php south coast down in portsmouth in england mm-hmm. and perhaps it was a reflection because it was their first conference so it was this first time he'd gone through the process but he said it took them nine months. And then Adam yeah. said four months. And then I was like, okay, that's, that's quite a discrepancy <laughs> in time. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, well, and, you know, part of the thing is that once you've done a conference so many times, then you kind of have this groove that you get into. You understand, you know, how the venue works. You understand when you need to do things. Um, you know, you kind of kind of get the feel for stuff and it and it is easier the next year and it gets even easier as you as you go on um you know we've been at the same venue for four years i think Mm -hmm. um and so they're used to us we're used to them you know we basically do the same kind of setup physical setup and everything so you know it makes that part a lot easier it's just kind of on automatic we don't necessarily have to worry about you know going there and picking out certain things um so it it does get shorter but yeah, I can understand, especially as a first-time conference, it, it can definitely take quite a while to get everything set. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you realize exactly how much goes into a conference until you try to do one. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of work. Yeah, I I, I think like I don't know here in in Nuremberg, there's what they call the the Nuremberg Web Week, which goes for well, not a week, but I think like a week and a bit, and they have it advertised for. Oh, I'm, I'm, this is a bit of a thumb suck, but I think anywhere up to it's advertised for at least four to six months prior, like all around town. And mm-hmm. then in, in the, as, as what would it be like the, at least the prior three months, it becomes much more evident or maybe I'm just more attuned to it because of, you know, that's, you know, the, the field that we're in. Um, but I mean, that's like way, way in advance. And if you're working, one of the co-working spaces is one of the main sort of organizers and sponsors. And if you're there, you, know, you see everything arriving in, I think, easily three months beforehand. I mean, without winning, yeah, without sort of writing it down on a calendar. Mm-hmm. And it just, as you say, it's, it just seems like there's so much, like all the for all the things to happen so smoothly and all the places to be organized and ready and and all the speakers to, to be there and so forth. It just looks like there's such a so many moving parts just to have it be so fluid. So I don't know, maybe I should try and get involved one year, but we'll see. Well, and you know, and I've been fortunate to be a part of a great group of organizers. Um, you know, there's a couple of us now and it's so much easier than just having, you know, one or two people to be able to kind of split stuff out. Um, you know, me with the sponsors and facility, uh, Jake Smith handles flights and kind of the design stuff. Uh, Jason Ragsdale has been catering and, and things on that side. Um, you know, obviously Omni, Omni Adams has been kind of doing the, the beer and the brewing. Um, he's basically the exclusive provider of the beer for the mm-hmm. conference. Right. Um, you know, and, and it's good to have uh, a whole group of people, especially during the conference, um, to be able to split off duties and, you know, have one person do the morning announcements, one person do the, you know, right before the keynote announcements, um, you know, and, it, and it's good. And I think the group that I'm with, um, you know, we've kind of found a good niche for, you know, basically everybody. 
Um, you know, we've got Daniel Cousineau that flies in from New York now and still is an organizer. He used to live here in town. All right. Uh, but he comes down and, you know, and helps out with just, you know, basically whatever's needed. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's been good. Okay. Um, I keep saying one last question, but I keep thinking of more questions. <laughs> no and problem. It's, and it's late here and it's dark and it's just me sitting, you know, sitting quietly. Um, do you have to be, I, re I realize that for a technical conference, you should be sort of at least partly technical, but do you have to have a real marketing side to it or can they sort of take on a buzz of their own? So we've been fortunate with Lone Star to where, um, you know, we've got enough people that have come over the years and enough interest um, that there's kind of a little bit of marketing that happens just naturally with the mm -hmm. community. Um, but on the whole, I mean, especially for local people that may or may not, you know, follow us on Twitter or Facebook or anything like that, um, you know, we still have to talk to the meetup groups. We still have to, you know, send out emails. Um, you know, we've tried to find local companies that we know of that use PHP mm -hmm. and, you know, target them and just say, hey, we're having this conference. You know, if you'd like to send some of your folks, we're happy to give you a discount code so that you can get a little bit off at least. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but there's, there's still some marketing that we have to do on our side just to be sure that we have, you know, everybody kind of covered and get the word out there as much as possible. Okay. That's interesting. I was just sort of curious because I've been working on some, some projects. I mean, nothing on that scale, but mm -hmm. recently and, and having to sort of wear a series of hats, there's the person who's making it, there's running the books, there's, you know, sort of attempt marketing and, and talking to people to say, hi, this idea is here and so forth. So I was, mm -hmm. I was sort of assuming, I just thought I'd just pick your brains about that one. Okay. Um, but I guess, you know, without wanting to, I don't want to um, sort of hammer into conferences too much. <laughs> I was also partly curious because you're still doing websec.io or? or? Um, yeah, unfortunately, I haven't had as much time as I would like mm -hmm. um, to devote to it. It's still up. Um, you know, I have a, a few articles that I've kind of, written but haven't put the finishing touches on. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, I think the last one was last year sometime. I think it's um, about October. But, yeah, probably. It sounds about right. Uh -huh. um, you know, but I, like, I do like having that stuff out there, um, you know, and providing that content. You know, it seems like it gets pretty decent feedback. And, you know, I've had some people ask me about it in the past. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's a decent resource to, to leave out there. I, you know, like I said, I unfortunately don't have quite as much time uh, as I used to to work on it. Mm -hmm. But I think that's kind of the, the natural state of things, unfortunately. <laughs> it sure can be with, with, you know, was it married, kids, and mm -hmm. uh, more than sort of one or two sort of interests. Yeah, it's, it's easy to, there's something to sort of start and then be, okay, now I've taken on too much. Yeah, yeah. How did you, yeah. oh, sorry. Oh, no. I was just saying, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, how did you come to get into the security path overall, like, which ultimately led to WebSec? Um, so I've been pretty interested in it for a while. Um, you know, I, obviously, I've been doing PHP for, God, 12 plus years now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was, uh, it was the first real language that I picked up after doing Perl, um, which, yeah, that's a whole different story. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, one of my friends back in college introduced me to PHP and, you know, and I was like, oh, you know, this is pretty cool. And then ended up getting a, a job straight out of school with it. Um, and so, it, you know, it was good. Um, but, you know, I've always kind of had that side interest in security. Um, and then, you know, a little while ago, I kind of um, decided that I was going to take the, you know, take the plunge, I guess, and try to really focus on that as kind of a, a career path and, you know, where I really wanted to target my efforts um, instead of just, you know, general PHP because, you know, as anybody can tell you that the general PHP stuff is huge, you know, there's, mm -hmm. there's always going to be little segments inside of it. Mm. Um, but, you know, it's, it's always been an interest and, um, with the last uh, two or three positions that I've been in uh, for, you know, for full-time jobs, um, there has been an emphasis on security. Um, and now here at, uh, at Salesforce, at Pardot, um, I've basically become, you know, the security engineer for this little part of the company. Okay. Um, 
So, you know, you, I have a basically a full-time focus on securing the code base and, you know, and, and actually really applying the stuff that I know and that I've, you know, learned over the years. Mm -hmm. So what's it, what's it like sort of being, I guess, so focused in an area, say you've taken a language and then focused on a specific subset of language. What's it sort of like, I guess, being in that sort of day in, day out or so heavily focused that way? Um, you know, it's kind of nice. Uh, you know, you, you read so many different articles about so many different topics and, you know, after a while it just gets really hard to keep up with what's going on and, you know, you kind of get a vague sense of everything. Um, you know, I, with phpdeveloper.org, um, you know, I, I post the, the summaries of the, the sites and, you know, the various articles that I find. So I kind of get a high-level overview, mm -hmm. um, but it's just impossible to keep up with every single thing that's going on. Um, so it's nice to it's nice to have a focus. Um, you know, it's also allowed me a time to get to know the infosec side of things, mm -hmm. and not just the PHP side. Um, because honestly, without knowledge of the whole infosec and, and a little bit bigger picture of why you're securing applications and what kind of vulnerabilities there are and attackers and everything, um, you know, I just don't think you can adequately secure things. You know, you can go down the, the top 10 checklist and say, okay, I'm escaping this and validating this and all that. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, to really understand why uh, is a whole different story. And, you know, being able to focus on this is, has really given me a lot more perspective on that. Okay. How do you feel over maybe say like the last five years that the state of security or the, the appreciation of the significance of security um, has changed in in the PHP community overall? Do you feel it's sort of it's, it's increased or it's kind of effectively about the same or where do you see it is and is going? Um, I think, you know, it's it's definitely grown, um, you know, by how much, I'm not entirely sure. Um, you know, it's easy to say, oh, yeah, it's gotten a whole lot better, but because of, the you know, the more narrow focus that I've had, um, you know, it, it might just be that I'm noticing it more. Mm. Um, so... You know, I, I think it has gotten better. Um, it seems like there's a lot more talk about it, at least. You know, I see more articles. Um, there's definitely a lot more people interested in it, I will say that. Now, whether they're taking that stuff and applying it in their actual code is a completely different story. Um, but, you know, you have, it seems like at most conferences you have at least one or two talks that are kind of more security-focused. Um, you know, obviously just general PHP conferences, not specific to security stuff. Um, but it's good. I think, you know, as long as that kind of is out there and it's, you know, it's promoted um, and in other sessions, you know, secure defaults um, is also shared as well. I think that's, you know, that's always a positive for it too. Okay. Yeah, it's the, the thing that I sort of wonder because I, I think about ooh, maybe three months ago, I, I sp started spending a lot of time getting into think anything that Uncle Bob put out, I sort of mm -hmm. got onto this, you know, I just, you know, I became sort of obs well, uh, positively obsessed. Mm -hmm. And and the reason I sort of mentioned that is he made this one comment that, like, the industry overall is actually sort of still quite young. And he, he, I'm going to get this quote wrong, but something about five years or whatever, like, was it half the developers that you'll meet have less than or no more than five years of experience? And in, sorry, uh, I was just going to say in security specifically, or just in experience in general. He was saying that in, in general. So, what I was kind of um, edging toward is that there's there's so many people, and and the talk grows. But as you said, is that maybe sort of talk overall, but does it translate into actual sort of usages? And so I guess I was just curious from you know from someone who's much more attuned to security than I am as to whether, you know, you, you felt that it really was picking up or whether um, perhaps it was that pre-picking up stage, you know, there's, there's noise and then there's interest growing, but it's not yet sort of really translating into, into a solid security focus, which um, I, feel, I feel testing has kind of passed that hump. Yeah, definitely. Um, I th you know, especially in the PHP community. Um, you know, Chris Harches and, and all those folks have been really pushing it and really getting it out there. Um, you know, and I think everybody kind of realizes the value now and they understand, 
um, you know, why you need a test and, <laughs> and what kind of things it can actually help you with. Um, but yeah, I think security is still, still kind of ramping up in that direction. Um, you know, you, you get a lot of the uh, people on the InfoSec side, um, you know, they, they talk about it being young the same way. Um, it, they're more talking about, you know, specifically application security uh, versus just security in general. Um, because the whole aspect of um, you know network security and, and all that has been around for a really long time, mm. but it is relatively young when it comes to specifically application security. Um, at least the focus on it. Um, it's always been there, obviously, mm. but you know people just haven't really put much consideration into it. Um, and I think you know with high level languages, it gets to be something that kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Um, especially with something as easy to pick up as PHP. Mm, true. Do you, th- do you think that, you know, in, in the early days, and this could be showing a lack of knowledge or a lack of awareness, but in those earlier years of when the inter- internet sort of first came into being, there seemed to be like a complete lack of, of um, a lack of emphasis on security as, as a whole, such as protocols, such as FTP, just I didn't, didn't even have it in it for a while. And that, that as well was a bit of an inhibitor like it, it sort of there was a sort of foundation which wasn't built on security which then had to be applied later mm-hmm. do you feel that might have had something to do with it as as well or maybe i'm just sort of shooting out my hat there no no definitely um you know and and i think the um you know more specific to php um you know as easy as it is to pick up it's you know it's so super simple to just start writing code and you know, not even consider building in security from the start, mm-hmm. uh, or even using you know de- defaulting to security really. Um, and all the older you know PHP four and and uh, early PHP five tutorials that are out there on the web certainly don't help things. <laughs> uh, you know, because they're putting bad examples of concatenating SQL statements together in variables, and yeah, it's it's just not good for a lot of that stuff. Um, but, you know, I think not having that foundation and security, you know, like, like you were mentioning some of the stuff where, you know, it just didn't, they just didn't do it. It was just, you know, let's get the tool done, let's get the job done. And once it was solved, they had it out there until, oops, you know, I didn't realize that this could possibly happen. Um, you know, and that's, that's a hard thing to think about sometimes when you just want to get the job done that you've been told to do essentially you know solve the problem yeah i guess it's if that isn't um maybe you sort of put it like like testing as well if, if it's always seen as something extra then it's i guess it's easier to say well i'll come back to that later mm-hmm. or it's, it's easy for someone to say why are you spending time on that you know justify me you know justify to me why are you doing that and okay i'll leave it to later but then later never comes Yep. And and I feel absolutely. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I just said absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel in, in this this is my perception, and maybe it's me because uh, I've had some, some wonderful mentors who've really encouraged and <laughs> browbeaten me. Uh, <laughs> with testing. Um not wanting to get too much into self deprecating humor there, that when you see it as you know, say, for example, like software development, I think I said to to Chris, I saw it as Software development um, is different to writing code. Software mm-hmm. development, I see, is as testing is a component of that, design is a component of it. But if you say, I am a software developer, then all those bits come along for the ride. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's or it's, I guess you, you, you don't even think that, well, why, you know, you don't have that thought of, well, why would I test? It's like, well, you just you just do it. It's just it's part of the whole. Whereas I guess if you're writing code, it's like, well, I'm just kind of you know bashing around with an idea. It's not really important. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering if that same mindset can take place with security, such as you know if that also becomes a part of the whole. You know, you think about design, you think about testing, you think about security, and it, and it's just what you do. I'm just curious if if that would then sort of see things really change as well. Yeah, I think so, definitely. Um, you know, there's a, there's an idea in, in, you know, not just the development field, but, you know, building network systems and everything that, um, you know, you build security in from the start. 
uh, you know, it's, it's just another design decision. It's just another kind of feature, not necessarily feature, but you know, you know what, what I'm getting at there. Yep. Um, you know, that you, you kind of have to include in the plans, um, you know, you do a, a threat model for the different parts of the application and say, okay, this part's vulnerable to this kind of stuff. So let's be sure and focus on that, you know, as we're working this up. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, having it built in from the start like that and making a good habit out of it and, you know, good practice as part of everything that you're doing can, yeah, absolutely can help. Okay. One other, one other sort of question on that while I'm thinking about it is that, do you feel that, um, with, with application security that there's a, perhaps a, um, like, like a technical perception that, or a technical, yeah, perception that, that holds people back in, in that, this idea of maybe you sort of think of security and then you sort of think of say cryptography and in the same vein, you then sort of perhaps have this idea that sort of cryptography is really intense with mathematics or something, and maybe you're not really that sort of smart with mathematics, so the whole thing's just too hard? Or do you think that might have anything to do with it, or or maybe I'm going a bit too out left field with that? No, um, you know, I think, I think it's partly right. Um, you know, some people do look at um, you know, the, the cryptography stuff, and there's, there's so many different methods out there, um, you know, to to be able to secure stuff, um, you know, a lot of it depends on what you're securing, really, what kind of level you need. Hmm. Um, but I think, you know, a lot of people see that and they see some of the, you know, the jargon and uh, the stuff around application security. And, you know, they kind of step back and say, okay, I'm, I'm just a developer. I'm not a security guy. I don't know about any of this stuff. Um, you know, and, and I think, again, you know, having that as part of the process, you know, just expecting developers to build that in and just get them a little bit more used to saying, you know, here's specifically how you prevent this kind of vulnerability. You know, and sometimes, like, when I'm giving presentations at conferences, you know, and I say something like that, I'm like, look, this literally is, you know, in PHP, how you can take care of this. Um, you know, it, sometimes you see that light bulb go off, you know, and they're like, oh, really? That's all I have to do? You know, I thought it was way more complicated than that. Mm -hmm. Like, no, you know, when you kind of relate it back to the developer level and just give them, you know, code examples or, you know, steps to follow to test it in their own stuff, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it takes some of that mystery away from it. Yeah. And I think, you know, it helps to make it a little more solid and tangible, you know, thing that they can just look for in their code. Okay. All right. Um, one other question is, so what do you think the, the if someone has or is approaching sort of security for the first time and thinking, okay, I need to, to get serious about this, would what would you what would your sort of top tips or suggestions be to you know, to get started so that they don't they, they the, the journey starts and they don't sort of get overwhelmed too quickly? You know, like the first couple of things that they should do. Um so I think, you know, focusing in on um, some things like the, the OWASP top 10 list, um, you know, that's a, that's a pretty popular place to start. That kind of lists some of the most common vulnerabilities. Um, so you're not just out there looking at, you know, thousands of articles or whatever for, you know, trends. Um, they've already basically taken that and, you know, condensed it down into that, that top 10. Um, they do have some information specific to PHP about you know, remediation, all that. Um, but I think it's a good place to start as far as you know, finding out about what the uh, what the attack is, some of the you know the jargon again around it, um, you know, and trying to figure out how that applies to the code base or you know to your code base, um, you know. And then once you kind of get some of those basics down. Um, you can kind of figure out from there, you know, oh, okay, I want to find out more about SQL injections um, or, you know, this particular attack, you know, uh, one that, you know, is not quite as widespread, but it's still kind of interesting is the, the XEE or XXE, I always forget which one it is, uh, the XML entity expansion, mm -hmm. which is interesting. It's, it's kind of a weird kind of flaw that would only affect a very certain kind of functionality. Um, but it's kind of cool, you know, and, and I think, you know, once, once you start learning about this stuff, 
um, then you can expand out and, you know, rather than trying to take everything in at once, um, you know, just find that, that one point and start from there. Okay. Is there, is there one sort of piece of advice or two that um, you feel are outdated now and, and, and should, should be avoided? Like, so something um, that was relevant once, maybe say five years ago, but now is actually just perhaps not only not relevant, but, but a problem? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I mentioned some of those outdated tutorials. Um, you know, a lot of them come from even like the early PHP 5 days, which was these days is years and years ago. Mm -hmm. um, you know, PHP 5.2 even is, you know, is a long time ago. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of that stuff like register globals, um, you know, now in PHP 7, the regular MySQL functions are gone. Or I forget, are they gone or are they deprecated? Um, nothing. They were deprecated. I think they're gone in the latest. Okay. Ways. Um, you know, and some of that stuff like that just doesn't apply anymore. Um, you know, but there's still, unfortunately, there's still a lot of that stuff that does. Um, you know, cross-site scripting um, and SQL injection. I think it's cross-site scripting was first defined, like the actual term of it, um, ten or eleven years ago. So it's not a new vulnerability, but you know, with just standard PHP output, it's still a problem. You know, because it's too easy to just echo a variable, you know, and not even think about it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, not filter, or validate, or anything like that. Um, so there's definitely still stuff that's a problem in the language. Um, fortunately, there are libraries and you know things that you can use. Um, you know, like uh, Twig for output escaping. Mm -hmm. um, that do a lot of the security concerns for you. You know, it automatically escapes things correctly for, you know, for websites. Um, and you have to specifically say, you know, I want this to come out as a raw value and not, you know, not escape it, which is good. You know, it's, it's secure by default um, and it, you know, it helps you protect your application without you even really have to worry about it too much. Um, but those, again, are optional libraries. Not everybody's going to use them. Not everybody's going to know about them, um, but all you can do is try to promote that and you know get the word out and try to get people to use that stuff. Uh, so, yeah, unfortunately, there's only so much you can do, but you got to try, right? Yeah, yeah, true. I guess if you if you don't uh, if you don't try, you never know, and if was it if you if you don't ask, then well, you know, you definitely don't get. Whereas if you if you do, if you try, well, there's a possibility you'll get somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, one other sort of broad topic, I guess, is um, to perhaps round out the interview mm -hmm. or the chat. Um, mm -hmm. Is on website IO. I see. Yeah, you have two books there: Usual Suspects and Core Concepts. Mm -hmm. And this isn't about the books as such, but what was it like, or what's it been like, um, going down the publishing route? Because I talked to different people and. And one in particular, I think it was Cal Evans who said, was it, if you want to get rich, you don't write a tech book. <laughs> um, what's your experience like writing the book and, and sort of, from, I guess, broadly sort of from start to finish and, and how, how it went and, and was it sort of what you thought it might be? Um, you know, I, I, I've been writing blog posts and, and all that kind of stuff for, for years, you know, as part of just my PHP development. Um, and, you know, when I first started out, I thought, oh, you know, writing chapters at a time will be kind of like extended blog posts and, you know, and you can kind of put the examples in there. Um, yeah, it turns out making it kind of a cohesive whole is actually really different than that. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's easy to just kind of dump content in and not really, you know, try to correlate things. Um, but I found as I was working through it that, you know, there were times when I referenced something before and I had to go back and, you know, verify that the examples were the same and, you know, that they made sense together or, you know, that there wasn't content missing from a certain part that needed to be there. And yeah, it was, it was a little more difficult than, than I thought it was going to be. Um, you know, and, and by the end of the first one, um, you know, the core concept stuff, um, I, yeah, I was like, okay, you know, I, I may not do this again. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not a super long book. I, mm -hmm. I know people that have written, you know, 300 page technical books. Um, but, uh, you know, by the, by the time I was done with it, I was like, nah, well, I think I'm, I'm good on that. 
Um, and then of course I got the crazy idea to start on the other one, mm-hmm. which, you know, yeah, <laughs> it's a whole different story. Um, but you know, Cal's absolutely right. You don't write these things to make a whole lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you do happen to, um, it's mostly just a side effect. Um, you know, really as an author, you know, at, at least from my perspective, um, you know, I see writing this stuff as wanting to get that information out there and in front of people. Um, you know, having, you know, 30 blog posts, um, you know, is not the same as having a single point of reference, that single document, single book that you can look at and say, you know, here's what I have and it's all right here where I need it. Um, you know, you're not having to search through somebody's site. Um, you are wading through their posts about their dog as well as their, you know, as well as security and, mm-hmm. you know, all that on their blog that might happen to be there. Um, you know, you're, you have that dedicated resource. Okay. Um, and I think that's a lot of what people look for in, you know, books and stuff like that. Yeah, it's like well, you'd, you'd pay money or sort of pay extra for the simplicity and the organization factor. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and, and these days most of the ebooks are pretty cheap, you know, just because they don't have the, the whole publishing aspect. Mm. Um, you know, and, and some of them are small, some of them are, you know, they're, um, you know, they're, they're not the, the huge O'Reilly books that, you know, that are three and 400 pages. Mm. Um, but you know, they're, they're good. They have good content. Um, you know, it's, it's nicely condensed down into just the essential message. Um, you know, and, and I think that's one of the things that I like about people self-publishing, like on LeanPub. Hmm. Um, you know, it, it kind of um, it, it kind of promotes the idea of getting that you know that just needed content uh, out there, and uh, you know, and making sure that it's condensed down and you can target your audience a little bit better. And you know, you obviously you don't have the promotion aspect like you have with a larger publishing company. Um, but you know, having a good high quality book goes a long way for that. Hmm. Yeah. It's, I guess it's different because when you're publishing it yourself, yeah, there's, there's pros and cons, I guess, either side. And if you say pick up an O'Reilly book, just to use that as an example, I guess if you've got all that behind you, then I guess you would expect that the book could be of a certain kind of quality and a certain price. Whereas I guess by Mm -hmm. contrast, yeah, if, if it is say just yourself, um, or yourself say and, and a proofreader doing it, then yeah, there's there's limitations that that go along with that. Mm, but definitely. Again, but I guess as you, as you said, it's it's what is your aim in it? What are your ambitions for it? And, and I guess with O'Reilly, you know, they're, they're a full company with a lot of resources, so they have to turn a profit or they have to to generate revenue. Whereas, as you said, if it, if it's yourself and you, your primary ambition is to get the information out there and to be a good reference point, then money isn't the primary motivator, so it's different factors that are in play. Mm-hmm. But, uh, no, I'm not, I'm not thinking of writing another one myself at the moment. I, <laughs> there's, there's definitely like a hard limit on, okay, it's nice if I have the time at some stage, but right now I think I, I should put like a little sign on the, on the wall here and, and say, yeah, that's a nice idea, just put it on the pile with all the other ones. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I understand. I got myself into this real fix about, well, I should say again, um, oh, about three to six months ago, I realized it and I just thought, how am I going to get myself out of this? Because, you know, you, you take on commitments and then, and these were sort of work and contractual ones. So, that, well, I can't just say, well, I'm not interested now. But then at the same time, you know, I could be out for a walk or out with friends and think, there's this really awesome idea. And you're like, I'm not doing this again. No, no. <laughs> no, no, I'm just going to... I, I, I'm going to pretend I didn't even think that idea. Uh, yeah. No, so. I, I, uh, I understand. There's, there's been a couple of things in the past that, you know, some of it you're like, oh, this is a great idea. You know, I'm going to do this. Um, and, you know, sometimes it kind of keeps going and, you know, the snowball keeps rolling and gathers more steam and, mm. and you get the project out there and, you know, and it's great. Um, but I, at least for me, a lot of times I find that, you know, I, I think of this idea and I start working on it and, you know, the, the kind of hurdles and technical difficulties and everything kind of start mounting more and more. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, eventually you're like, 
you know, maybe this wasn't such a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it starts consuming more time than you're comfortable with, um, you know, and, and sometimes it starts to turn into something that isn't quite the revolutionary idea that you thought it was. Um, you know, or you happen to come across something that does exactly what you're doing. And it's like, oh, okay, well, hmm. <laughs> I'm not the first person to think of this. Okay, what do I do now? You yeah. know, you have to make that decision. Very true. I'm looking at one at the moment, and this is an idea that has sat in my head for, it'd have to be at least two years that I've been pondering this idea. And it's partly to do with, because with blogging about Zen Framework related stuff, um, I've been making online courses for other people. I thought, well, maybe I could do it for myself. But then I keep coming back back to this idea of how long is it going to take? You know, it's it's great to say, oh, I could do it for me. But then what does that take? And what are all the pieces involved? Perhaps it's the fact that I'm kind of shy on 40 in, yeah, that, that number of days now. It's getting so close. <laughs> But it becomes more and more of okay, you know, married, married with a child. Um, there's things besides a computer and work. Um, you know, what is what is this going to take? And and if my list doesn't add up to the fact of okay, that's manageable, then as much as I'm keen on that idea, it's like I'm just practicing with myself. Walk away, just like the numbers don't add up. Just just walk off, and then hope that the enthusiasm doesn't somehow or other sort of take over and say, well, I'll just do it anyway. Even if all the numbers say it's ro- it's wrong, I'll, I'll just, it'll work. <laughs> this time, right? Just yeah. this time. The internal yeah. optimist. It'll For some reason, something will happen and it'll just come good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. But, no. well, I say that for most people. There are some people that, you know, they hit that certain place and they're like, you know what? This is going to happen. Mm. And yeah, they, they just do it. I know a couple of people that, you know, when they set their mind to something, they do it. You know, mm. it doesn't matter what, what gets in the way. But I'd like to think I was someone like Sir Richard Branson, but um, <laughs> I just, yeah, at least at this stage, at this stage of my life, I don't think so. But yeah, I know, I know what you mean. You know, you meet people and for some reason it seems impossible but then six months later, they've either done it or they're just on the cusp of doing it. It's just, how did you possibly do that? It's like, mm-hmm. um, if, if he, hi, if he's listening, Marco Pavetta. He can seem to crunch so much code in such a short <laughs> period of time. It's like, how do you... Ah, oh, I get it. You don't schedule in time for sleep. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sleep is for the week, right? That's right. That's right. Hello, Marco, if you're listening. Um yeah, and, and, and you just look at that and think, how, how, there's, there's physically not the time that could, that somehow you've done it. All right, mm-hmm. hat tip. And I'm just going to go back to my garden now. <laughs> Sorry, it's my latest, it's my latest thing. I'm, um, we decided as it's summer here and the winters can, can sort of be so long, mm-hmm. not necessarily freezing cold, but they can be quite so long that we get into a herb garden and that is my thing and every day I look forward to, to finishing up work when the days are sunny mm-hmm. get out there and do just that a little bit more and every day it gets closer to completion I'm feeling very proud of it oh good I'm sure it's nice to have that tangible something you know we, we do so much with fingers on the keys all day long that you know it's, it's nice um, to you know get in there and make something that you can look at and say you know I did this <laughs> oh it is it's, it's it's, it's something about that, what would you say, tactile feedback? Mm-hmm. That, and, and it's maybe it's a yin and yang for, for software developers. Maybe every, I, I actually think every software developer perhaps needs something like that. Because with software, right, you, you sit down, you have the idea, and the idea, it can be complete in your mind, and you can see all the bits. But then to take that from your mind to something like physical, or at least electronically physical, you know, there's all the thoughts. There's, there's the design, there's what kind of, for example, say, service do I need? What uh, libraries and extensions and so on do I need? How much are all the services going to cost? You know, all these, these bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. And, it can, and it can, it's it's great when they're done if they get to that point. But to get it there, it can seem like you, there can be so many times when it just doesn't seem to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and, and to have something that, can sort of progress to reality so much more seemingly so much more quickly with so much more 
um, what regular um, progress. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's really fulfilling, and it, and it, I find that it helps. Um, the shorter projects are a nice complement to the to the ones that just take more time. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, I, I think if you only work on the long, you know, the longer stuff that takes longer to complete, then you know, it's at least for me, it can get a little bit more frustrating. You know, you, you don't see results, and you know, and I know that's probably part of the impetuous nature of you know the the always on demand society that we are. But mm. uh, you know, it is it is nice to have uh, those quick wins where you can see, you know, okay, I you know I did this and. You know, and it works, and you know, and it didn't take that long, which mm. is really nice. And the other thing about gardening is I don't have to worry about testing or security. <laughs> I have to worry about <laughs> bugs. To be fair, that's true. Still have to worry about bugs. That's yeah, true. Just a different kind. Yeah, there's, at least there's a certain constant. There's a certain crossover. But uh, that is true. Yes. Yeah, and it's nice to have something. And perhaps I'm I'm segueing so widely, but it it is nice to to have something that. I don't know. You can you can hold and you can touch and and you can mm-hmm. s- and kind of sit there and say, "Yeah, I made that," even if it isn't well killing or, in my own case, you know, the, uh, the I wouldn't say I live in a village, but I live in a small town now. You know, mm-hmm. the town's the most amazing garden, but it's it, it's nice to have that feedback and yeah, and then you come back to code and say, "All right, I'll just keep going." Mm-hmm. Definitely. But, I um. Oh, go no, ahead. No, 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 Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, um, you know, I, I'm back in school. Um, I actually graduated college with a, an art degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's always been kind of one of my other passions. Well, um, in the last, I guess, probably coming up on about a year now, um, you know, I've really started getting back into that and, and um, mostly painting. Uh, and, uh, you know, and I, I make my own canvases and, you know, so I kind of relate to you know, the putting things together and, you know, you, you set the thing on the wall and, you know, and it's a done piece, whether it's, you know, small or big or, uh, you know, however it is, uh-huh. um, but you know, you've made that thing, you know, and, and you got to see it evolve over time. And, um, you know, and again, like, you know, like you were saying about, you know, your garden and everything, my stuff is not the greatest stuff in the world. Um, you know, some of it turns out completely awful and some of it turns out <laughs> decent. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it, it's nice. It's, it's something to do that I don't have to think about, you know, hooking pieces together or, you know, where did I miss a bug somewhere that, that kind of stuff. It's just a nice general, you know, relaxing activity that mm-hmm. uses a completely different part of my brain than the part that's, you know, super analytical and, and has to worry about all those little tiny things like that. And it's a nice there's something in it, I think there's a nice sort of yin yang, nice sort of compliment to to um not sort of focus exclusively in, in one area to you know, to, to to use other things, to use other skills, to use other other parts of yourself. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think you'll uh, you'll probably go a little crazy if you only use your analytic side of your brain. Yeah. It must be something about getting older, I swear. Because <laughs> when I was <laughs> when I was younger it was always about big cities, fast um, the bush, because my, my, my father, his family comes from the sort of more rural background. Um, and I was kind of like, always the opposite. Anything like that was bad. And, and, and now that I've, you know, sort of lived in big cities and, and done, uh, I guess enough things now it's like, no, nah, I don't know everything. Well, almost anything, there's a positive in it that somewhere, if you're willing to look for it. And it's nice to have just a sense of compliment, uh, more well-roundedness. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Anyway, that's maybe that's a soapbox for another day. <laughs> but anyway, as as the time draws down, um, as I say to everybody, is there anything that you'd like to promote? There's something coming up, um, even if it's I don't know a, a meet up at the local user group. Nothing is too small. Um, well, Lone Star's out of the way for this year. Um, you know, obviously we're going to be doing it again next year. Uh, we usually open the call papers for that kind of close to the end of the year, um, November, early December. Um, you know, so if you're interested in coming to Lone Star next year, that's something to keep uh, keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, other than that, I mean, we've, we've got our local user group. We've actually got a meeting tomorrow night um, on the 12th. Um, 
you know, that by the time this goes out, I'm assuming that'll be way past, but, um, you know, the Dallas PHP user group, we meet on the second Tuesdays of every month. Um, so we try to, you know, we keep it pretty consistent and have lots of different topics. Um, we are fortunate enough to have one of the speakers from this year's Lone Star come in and speak, uh, tomorrow night. So, um, people that missed his session during the actual conference, you know, had that conflict of, you know, I want to go to two or three sessions all at the same time, um, can actually come see that. So that'll be good. Um, you know, and then just, you know, various stuff. You mentioned the WebSec.io site. Um, I'm, you know, I briefly mentioned phpdeveloper.org. Um, I think I've been doing that for, let's see, if I've been doing PHP for 12-ish years, then I've probably been doing that for 10 to 11 years. Um, so... Yeah, it's, it's getting up there in age, but uh, I like to think it's still useful. And, uh, you know, and, and I do it partially, partially a little selfishly because I, I get to find out about all the, the stuff going on in the PHP community <laughs> mm-hmm. and keep up with all that. You know, it's a good excuse, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Very true. But, uh, yeah. It's an institution. <laughs> I, I like to think that it's useful. Definitely. I, I I've spent um, many a time there sort of finding out about new stuff. Good. It's good to hear. So what did you think of the fireside chat with Chris? Did you get a lot out of it, whether about conferences or about security? I hope so. I mean, I really do. This chat with Chris is, is one I've been looking forward to for quite some time. And you know, now that we've, we've had it, I'm, I'm really glad it's there. Yeah, that's great stuff to share. So I hope you take it in. I hope that it helps you out. I hope it gives you perhaps a sense of direction or a better sense of direction. And as always, it helps you out in your career. Anyway, for more information, check out freethegeek.fm forward slash episode forward slash episode hyphen 0017. And in episode 17, coming up in two weeks, I have a wonderful fireside chat with the one and only Mr. Matthew Turland. I'll see you then. (laughs) 